Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Amen. How many believe Jesus is here tonight? Amen. He's here to heal, deliver, set free, transform, do whatever you need tonight. If you came with a need, God's got the answer. But I think the most important thing we can do is just lift up his name and glorify him. I think, I think we did that tonight. Amen. Don't forget when we're praising and worshiping, we get something out of it. But the best thing is to give God something out of it. Make sure his name is honored tonight. Amen. So good to have you here on this Friday night. So good to have uh, the different churches represented from our fellowship in the area. Amen. And make sure you say hi to the pastors and their wives and their families after church and fellowship with them. Take them out to dinner or something. Amen. Get together with them. They drove a long ways all the way from Garland, South Dallas, Bowie, and uh, what's that other one? Just kidding. Fort Worth. Amen. Amen. That's right. Praise God. God is doing great things in all of our churches, including Denver, Colorado. Amen. God is moving powerfully there. I was just there less than about a month ago, something like that, preaching for them. And it's always a privilege to preach for them and, and uh, see what God is doing. They're, they're, they're packing that place out. Got lots of new people and uh, keep getting new parts of their building and growing. And uh, we're just thankful for their friendship. Uh, Pastor Marshall and Sharice are friends in the, in the, in the ministry together. He, he's going he's gonna to challenge us this weekend. He's going to give us God's word this weekend. He's going to share a powerful testimony tonight, amen, uh, some of his own personal testimony. And uh, God's, God's going to speak to us and, and give us something we need to do what God wants us to do. How many believe that tonight? Amen. That he could use us. Amen. So we came. Get your notebooks out. Get your Bibles open. And uh, pay attention. Let God uh, speak to you. Let's just pray right now for this opening service. So when he gets up, he can, just, he can just go. Father, we ask you tonight to move in this service. And God, we ask you to open up our minds and arrest them tonight. And to let them be totally focused on the word that you've put in Pastor Marshall's heart for us. Lord, you have brought him 1,000 miles, 700 miles, far away, God, from another state to preach this message tonight, God. And we are here with open ears and open hearts. And, Lord, we come against every spirit of darkness that would try to hinder your word. And we pray for the liberty and power and anointing that he would feel at home tonight, God, and that, Lord, he would be able to minister what you have put on his heart. Touch our hearts tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's let Pastor Richard Marshall know we love him tonight as he comes. Let's give him a big hand. Give him a big Texas welcome. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate you, man. Hallelujah. Man, it feels good in here, huh? Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Look at all these teenagers, man. Y'all see all these teenagers? That's the future right there. Hallelujah. You could be seated. Amen. How many know God's a good God? Hallelujah. He's a good God all the time. I send greetings from Denver, Colorado, the land of... 
everything. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, all that and everything on top of it. Well, how many know the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds much more? It's such a privilege for Sharice and I to be able to go to Denver. Amen. And at this stage in our lives, amen. And it's just, it's, it's a tremendous privilege, such an exciting thing to be able to be in a city like this in Denver where God is moving and people's lives are being changed. Um, you know, when we used to, for years, many of you know, we used to do Breakaway. And Breakaway was a drug and alcohol ministry. We did that for like 17 years. So we were getting all these people coming out of prison and, and coming out of jails would come to, to the services for many years. So we went to Denver thinking, you know, we can go preach to regular people, you know, just folks off this, regular folks, right? I come to find out, man, everybody who gets out of prison comes through my neighborhood. Amen? <clears throat> and uh, one there was a 15-year-old kid in our church some time ago and came in limping. I said, what's wrong with you? He goes, oh, I got shot. And then a week later, another kid came in in a sling. I said, what happened to you? He goes, oh, I got shot. And I thought, man, this church needs to be here. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, God, to be here. What a privilege for Sharice and I, God. What an awesome church. What an awesome pastor. God, thank you so much for allowing us to be here. We love you. We praise you. We ask you to speak to us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, you know, there is a portion of Scripture, if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Um, recently, I've had some things happen uh, that have been very life-changing for me, even being saved. I got saved in 1985. Um, my wife and I started coming to church, actually on the verge of divorce. Um, I was on my way to prison. I had all kinds of problems, struggles. You know, many of you, drugs, alcohol, all the foolishness, the foolish things we do in the world. Came into the church, gave our lives to Christ. Total transformation. God turned me upside down, like the song says. It changed me. And, and, and over the years, um, because of some of the things in my past, I, I, I growing up, I say these things because they're shameful to me, my past. Many, many of us are ashamed of our past, right? We come, we come to the cross. We come to Jesus. We give our lives to the Lord, and God washes us, cleanses us. We're freed. We're forgiven. We're walking in the power of God. But sometimes some of those things that you did in the past follow you. And I'm going to show you. So I got arrested 26 times before I was 26. Amen. I made lots of bad decisions and lots of bad choices. And in that time period, I, um, I was only convicted like four times of different things. One of the convictions that I got convicted of gave me an FBI jacket. And so in, in saying that, what had happened to me was, um, you know, anytime that I wanted to do anything, anywhere that I wanted to go that required a background check, and I never shared it too much in our church because it was so embarrassing to me, even after being saved for 38 years, right? And I started pastoring in 1990. Uh, about seven years ago, I went to Fort Carson in uh, a carpet cleaning van that I had. Um, I was uh, getting a carpet cleaning business started so I can go to Denver and have something to do there while I was working. And Ed Martin, who goes to our church, offered me a job at Fort Carson to go clean carpets there. I was pumped. I was, I had been on Fort Carson. I was stationed there many, many years earlier, and I thought it would be exciting to go back. 
And so I get to uh, I get to the gate. I'm in my van. I'm excited. I'm about to get all these new contracts. I'm gonna get I'll get these contracts set up, and then I'm gonna go to Denver. Well, I get there, and as I get to the gate, he asks me for my ID, and he takes it, and he goes, and he does a background check. I never even told anybody this because I was embarrassed about it. I can't couldn't help it. But the guy came back to me, and he said. He said, you are not allowed on this base. You're not allowed on any military base in the United States. Don't ever try to come on back onto a base. As a matter of fact, here's your ID and follow me. And he walked in front of my van and escorted me off of the base. I've been, I've pastored, you know, three churches. I've been saved. You know, God forgave me. But how many know the world don't forgive? Amen. Amen. That was embarrassing for me. But there's a lot of people like that. Their past follows them. Amen. And it's like, what I want to share with you tonight, I want to minister out of 1 Corinthians 5.18 on the ministry of reconciliation. Amen? Listen to this. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation and restoration. Anytime someone ever gives their life to Jesus Christ at the foot of the cross, boom, you're forgiven. I don't care what you did. I don't care what crimes you committed. I don't care what mistakes you made. I don't care where you've been. You went to prison, whatever, been in a mental hospital. You're forgiven. You're washed. You're cleansed at the foot of the cross. Life begins again. It's a fresh start. But some time ago, probably about two years ago, actually probably ever since I've been saved, I've always wanted to clean my record up. I've always wanted to get get my record sealed. You know what I'm saying? So I can go around like a normal person. And the reason I say that, it means something to me. For other people who've never had that hanging over you for years and years and years, you don't understand. But I'm telling you, it bothered me. And I was reading out of Joel chapter 2, verse 25, and I believe God showed this to me and spoke to me about this scripture. And this is what he said. He said, and I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, and the caterpillar and the palmer worm has taken away, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who's dealt wondrously with you. And listen to this last part. And he says, and my people shall not be ashamed. It's not God's will that we're ashamed. Amen. And, I, and for, a, for a season in my life, I felt ashamed of my past, right? I was forgiven. I talk about it all the time. I've shared my testimony all over the world, and, I've, and, and, I've, and, and I believe I'm forgiven. But, but there was a time that I felt like I wanted to see this thing redeemed. I wanted to see it undone, my past undone. So I went on a quest, amen? And I said, you know, I'm going to go down and I'm going to file a motion with the El Paso County Courthouse and tell them I want to close this case. 38 years, you ought to be able to close a case, right? I go down there, I file a motion. And, you know, the Bible says that with men this is impossible. With God all things are possible. And I got a, I got a point to this message that I'm gonna, it's going to relate to everybody. So I go down there with my wife. I paid 70 bucks. Amen. I got in line. And I filed the motion, and I said, I want this case closed. I want this FBI uh, uh, jacket off of me. I, want, I don't want to carry it. I don't want it on my, the back of me anymore. And so I filed the motion. You know what happened, though, uh, to yesterday? Yesterday I got a letter from the county courthouse, amen, sealing the case and putting it away forever. Amen. That's it right there, baby. Some people probably think, what's the big deal? You're saved. 
It meant something to me, and God knew that. I believe God knew that it meant something to me to get rid of that. And so since I was on a roll, you know what else? I got discharged from the military. I spent four years in the United States Army. And I thought I was a pretty good soldier, you know. I only got in so many fights. But, but, but you know, um, toward the end, I got discharged with a less than honorable discharge. And I said, well, since I'm on a roll and God's on a roll, I think I'm going to file. So I filed a petition and sent it to Washington. And uh, I haven't got the results back on that. But when I get it back, I'm going to get an honorable discharge. I'm going to get my less than honorable turned into an honorable You see, the devil's business is to shame you and I. People get saved all the time in our churches. And they come in, and when you look at people when they first come to church, everybody looks the same. They're smiling, they're happy. You know, remember the song, Tears of a Clown? In private, they're suffering, but in, in, in public, they look like everything's together. The person will come, and they'll give their life to Jesus. They'll get saved. They're going on for God, but it's like they can't seem to let go of that one thing that happened to them, that pain, that hurt, that thing that the devil took from them. We sing this song, Take Back What the Devil Stole From Me. I sing that song so much in our church, man, they, they, they get sick of it. Take back what the devil stole. I love singing that song. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15, see, one of the things that I've noticed about many of the people that are coming to our church in Denver, many of the people that walk through the doors, many of them are ex-prostitutes and come off the street and others out of gangs and, and and there's all kinds of I got this one lady comes in her entire head is tattooed all the way around her neck her face her head she's got a past like you wouldn't believe and she just can't seem to get over her past she can't get over the hurt she can't get over the pain she can't get over the things that happened to her the relationships that were broken the things that were taken from her and there's a scripture in Isaiah 49, 15, and, and, and it goes like this. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget you, yet I will not forget you. See, I've inscribed you in the palm of my hands. I like to tell her and every one of them and all the people that do come, amen, that God never forgets us. God's never forgotten me, amen. That's the one thing about being a Christian that blows my mind, that despite us, despite our mistakes, despite our shortcomings, despite the stupid things we do, even after we get saved, amen, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I'll be with you to the end of the age. I promise you, God ain't forgot you. He knows every hair on your head if you got hair, amen. He has not forgotten you. And as I begin to dig through the word of God, I come up on people like Hannah in the book of Samuel who was barren and couldn't have children. And she cried out to God in, in desperation. And the scripture in 1 Samuel 1.19 says this, the Lord remembered her and gave her a son, the prophet Samuel. And then there was Noah. I thought about Noah, you know. In the middle of the ocean, man, 40 days and 40 nights of flooding, the entire world's wiped out. And he's in that ark, amen, and I can imagine I probably felt pretty lonely. It was probably a pretty traumatic experience to see the entire world flooded and everybody killed except the eight members of his family. And, and, and the Bible says in Genesis 8-1, but God remembered Noah. You look at Sam, Samson. I can relate to Samson. Samson was a great man of God and made some mistakes in his life. He, 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 he did some things he shouldn't have done. He suffered for it. 
And in desperation, in the final stages of his life, he cried out to God. And he, this is the prayer that he prayed. He said, oh, Lord, God, remember me. And God remembered him, anointed him one more time. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, I read about David and his men had gone out fighting. And they had gone out and they were out whooping the Philistines and every other Ishmaelite and all the different enemies of God. And when they had got back to the city of Ziglag, they, when they got there, the enemies of God had come in, taken, all, taken their wives, taken their children, took their wealth, took every single thing and took off. And the Bible says that those men fell on the ground weeping and crying and crying and crying. And then they, they got angry and looked over and decided they wanted to stone David. They wanted to kill the leader. Don't that happen in every church, Mario? Amen. And David didn't respond like that, though. David was of a different sort. Amen. And the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord and began to pray. And God heard his prayer. And he asked God this question. He said, shall I pursue them? And God said, you shall pursue them. You shall overtake them. And you shall recover all. I'm here to tell you as a born-again believer, God wants to recover what the devil's taken from you in your marriage, in your relationships, in your finances, in your mental health, and all the things. You know, it's funny. When we're growing up, people have said all kinds of different things about you and I, right? You're worthless. You're just like your father. You'll never, you'll never amount to anything. You know, I used to have my mother. I love my mother. She finally got saved and went to be with Jesus. Thank God. But my mother and my brother, when I was a teenager, would come to me all the time. They hated me. I, I never figured it out why they hated me so much. And they would come to me and say things like, I hate you, my mother. And she says, you're going to die. You'll never live to be 30. You're worthless. And he'd get behind her. Yeah, yeah, you're worthless. And I remember thinking to myself, what kind of an insane family am I a part of? Amen, that your mother would say things like that. And that's how I grew up, with those kind of words. And I, when I was about... Uh, 17, I just turned 18 years old. I'm fresh out of high school. I, I, I want to go to college. I want to be the first person in my family to go to college. I want to go wrestle in college. I love wrestling, amen, because you know when you wrestle, they can't get away from you. It's not like boxing where they box and get away. You, 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 they ain't going nowhere. But anyways, uh, you know, I was coming home. I had finally got a car, you know. Here I am. I got a car. I kind of had a car. It had a, it had a, a, a milk crate for a seat, amen, and, and, uh, and it wasn't much to it. But as I'm driving up to the house, I see my mother and my brother going down the street, and I stopped them. I said, where are you going? And she said, we're going to Colorado. <laughs> what? I just, I just started, I'm ready to go to college. She said, you can come with us. She used to do crazy things all the time. And I said, I'm not going. And for two years, I lived on the street in California. I lived in sheds. I lived in cars. I lived in people's garages. I used to break into this house. I had a doggy port when they weren't home, right? So that's a, the good thing about being a small person. I broke, I'd go in through the doggy port, go make me something to eat, go take a shower, wash my clothes, iron my clothes, fix everything up, put it back where it was, and then go back out the doggy port. I did that for three months, and one day the, 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 the husband, amen, came walking in the door, and I said, sorry, the door was open, amen. <laughs> but I remember, man, th those two years were a very difficult time for, for me in my life because I didn't have anywhere to live, man. In California, back then, it was more expensive than it is right now in Denver. And so I was just on the street, sleeping in cars and sleeping in different places. And, 
And eventually I got so discouraged, I went back to California living in a car. I got discouraged, and that's why I joined the military. You get, you get three free meals and a roof over your head. And I joined the military thinking, this is going to change my life. And we do that. We all do that. We get new careers. We get, we get married. We, we, th- we move to a new location. We think, this is what's going to change me. This is what's going to help me. But how many know without Jesus, there ain't nothing happening? Because you're still there. I joined the military, man. At, at first, I loved it. I love basic training. I love everything about the military, the camaraderie, the, the, the combat part of it. I loved it. But it was still me struggling with drugs, struggling with alcohol, struggling with anger issues, struggling with who am I, what, why was I born, what's my purpose in life. And I remember that was the reason why towards the end I met my wife, I got married. We got married 1984. I'm glad I remembered that. Amen. So that means we've been married 39 years this September 1st. Amen. And you know what the crazy thing is? She stayed with me. Amen. I remember, man, getting discharged from the military. And the day that I got discharged from the military, they followed me. Now, these things, these things, man, they meant something to me. They, they, they bothered me. They followed me to the exit of the, of the base. We stopped just before leaving Fort Carson. They came over and took a knife and scraped the Fort Carson bumper sticker off my, off my car, took my ID from me, and banned me for five years from coming back on base. And I, I, when I left, I, you know, I was kind of a... An egomaniac. I thought, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change. But how can you change without God? Amen. It wasn't a month later. It was a month later. My wife and I had been married for a year, and I, I got called into a, uh, a detective had called my house and and asked me to come down. He wanted to talk to me, and I was facing eight to sixteen years in prison for an assault charge, but I was already on probation for beating up a cop at a mall a couple years earlier, and I went to jail for it. So I had that on top of that, and I was still going through the court systems with that. And I remember, man, when I when, when that all went down, I went and talked to that guy, and I came home. I walked in the house. There was my wife, my beautiful wife, brand-new bride, and my, and my baby boy. I had my son right there laying on the bed. And she's never seen me cry, never seen me ever shed a tear. But that day, man, I started weeping, and she didn't know why, and I couldn't tell her. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't tell her that there's a possibility I might not see you again or I might not be able to raise this kid. And I, I remember this was the, this was the there, is, there is those God moments in life that, that it's like, you know, some people think that, that uh, they found Jesus. How many of you know you don't find Jesus? He wasn't lost. You, you were lost. And, and he found me. And he had been dealing with me. Over the years, people kept witnessing to me, and I would be kind to them, but I, I didn't follow through. And I remember getting on my knees in that bedroom, and I, and I cried out to God. Sharice had walked out, and I got on my knees, and I just prayed a simple prayer because I don't know how to pray. Never been in church. I said, God, if you're real, help me. That's it. That's the only thing I prayed. And when I prayed that prayer, it was as though I had opened Pandora's box from heaven. Amen. Next thing I know, people are knocking on my door from Victory Chapel. 
Anyone ever tell you about Jesus? I, was, I remember Sharice was cooking dinner. Or cooking, it, was, it was in the morning, and she was cooking something, and these guys knocked on the door. It was two dudes. I really thought it was Randy Shank, this guy, but it was just two guys with long, white dudes with long hair, and they knocked on the door. You know, I, back then I never wore a shirt barefoot. I was like a psycho, amen. And I answered the door, and he said, and he starts telling me about Jesus, and I, I leaned back. I said, Sharice! Look at this. God answered my prayer. And I took their track and closed the door. Amen. I kept the track, put it beside my bed, and then later on another guy came. His name was Demetrius Conwell. He used to go to the church when we were in a roller rink. And and he had just got out of prison, and my wife and I both knew him. And he he said, can I talk to you? And he came over the house, and he began to share the gospel with me and tell me about Jesus, how much God loved me. He brought his Bible study leader. These two guys came in, man. And they, they really, they got to me, man. But it took some time of, of, of going after us and calling us and continually coming by and following up before we finally made a decision. And I remember, because my wife packed a bag, right? She packed the bag, put it by the front door and said, me and this baby are leaving unless you change. Me and this baby are leaving. I want a divorce unless we get some counseling. And you know what I told her? And I don't even know where this came from in my my twisted mind I said we don't need a counselor we need Jesus and she was like looking at me you see when I met my wife she had just become a Christian and I and that was I was not the right person to meet when you're a brand new Christian and she backslid amen and so that freaked her out when I said let we need Jesus and so it took about three weeks and finally we went to that church and I remember the ushers we walked into the church I had some of you young people don't know this, but I used to have some parachute pants. How many of you old people remember parachute pants? Amen. I had some big old parachute pants. Amen. How many of you ever used to wear those crayons? You know the those those high heel ones with the. I had some that had a uh, had a, a fish in it. Amen. When you walk like this, like Bootsy Collins, remember? I used to have some of those. But anyways, I went to the church, man, and I walked in, and everybody wanted to shake my hand. Everybody was saying, how you doing? What's your name? Would you like to come into my Bible study? And I was, like, very standoffish, amen. I wasn't very people-friendly, and I was like, what's what's going on in this place? Why are these people so, well, they don't know me. How could they care for me? They don't, they don't know me. But I remember when Pastor got up, he began to preach. And it was like, if you ever been to the uh, circus, and you know how that light that shines, and all the lights go out, and there's one light that shines down on the circus director? That's exactly what it felt like. And as he's preaching, I'm thinking my wife had come over earlier and told him everything about me, and he was preaching to me. I honestly got, I thought that. When we went home, I, I kind of got mad at her. But she said she didn't. But I remember when he said, he said, if you want to give your life to Jesus and you want God to change your life, Stand up to your feet and come down to this altar. And that day it was me and my wife and one other person went to that altar and we got saved. Now let me tell you something. There's a lot of people in Denver that come and they come to an altar and they make a decision. But really they're not making a decision for Jesus. They just feel guilty about their sin. And they think if they come and lay that, come to an altar, they'll feel better about it and they go back out and sin. That wasn't me and her. We were sick of being sick. We were sick of being tired. We didn't want to do it anymore. And, and I'm telling you the truth. We were excited. So when we left, when we left that place, man, I, wa- I went home, and I'm pacing back and forth in the kitchen like this, and I'm scratching my head. She says, what's wrong? I said, something happened to me in that place. 
And I, so then I said, then I went to the refrigerator and I went and got the only six pack of beer I had left, took it to the bathroom, popped all of them and poured them down the toilet. And my wife was looking at me like, what? And I said, let's do this. And we went in the bedroom and under the bed, I grabbed the, the, the dope stash, right? And I said, and she said, no, she was, she, 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 she didn't, she wasn't happy about that one. But we took that dope stash, and I put it, and I flushed it down the toilet. I knew something happened that day. I didn't know anything about anything about church. I didn't know that God comes to live inside of you. I didn't know that. I didn't know that I had began a journey of restoration, that I had began a journey that God was going to begin to restore mentally, emotionally, amen, uh, relationally, Physically, all these things that over the years the devil had taken from uh, from me and that devil has taken from many of you. I didn't know that God could do that. And I didn't know God was that kind of a God. I thought he was this far off entity that, you know, that he's ready to fry me. And, and if I make any kind of mistakes, I'm in trouble. But I'm here to tell you, I did not know the love of God until I got saved. I did not understand the love of God. I did not understand that God cared about me long before I ever made a decision for him. In the middle of my sin, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Did you know that? In your worst worst of your worst, to think of the worst thing you ever did, he went to the cross for you when you were doing that. He looked looked forward 2,000 years and saw you doing that and did that for you. And I remember, man, we said, I'm going to church. We, went, we wanted to go to every Bible study. We wanted to go to every outreach. We wanted to go to the concert scenes on Saturday night, every service. We used to go to church. The people in Denver, is this being recorded? <clears throat> they, I, people struggle, man, up there going to church more than once a week. Let me tell you something. We went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, uh, Tuesday night Bible study, Wednesday night. And then later we got breakaway. We went to church on Saturday night or Friday night. Then we went to outreach on Saturday and twice on Sunday. Man, we we wanted to be there all the time. Why is it when people get saved, you 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 were doing good for the devil. You was a good candidate for the enemy. Oh, man, you were one of his number one disciples. Come on, right? You, you would have done, you were a soldier for the devil. You get saved and you become Pee Wee Herman for Jesus. You can't even go to church more than once a week. Shamey, shamey, amen. My wife and I begin to go to church, man, and I'm telling you, I was so excited. It had been a couple of weeks, and I made a decision. I said, and I've shared my testimony, but Pastor Blake asked me to share some of these crazy things, amen. Even though they were a long time ago when I talk about it, I still laugh at myself. <laughs> what an idiot. So anyways, I go and, and uh, I said, Sharice, I'm going to go tell all my friends about Jesus. They're, at this, they're having a party. You know, you know, I don't really know that you're not supposed to go to parties. So I went to a party and, uh, and I went in there and everybody's drinking and getting high. And I went in and I said, I got saved. Amen. You know, they're all, some of, most of them were scared of me back then because I was not all there anyway. And I, and I said, I got saved. And they began to debate with me. One guy was talking about Buddha and another one was talking about this religion and that religion and, and this, that, and the other. And we're going back and forth. I don't know nothing about the Bible. I couldn't even quote John 3.16. I was in deep trouble. And eventually they said, you want a beer? I said, I don't want a beer. Shouldn't have been there in the first place. And I said, I don't want a beer. I said, I don't want a beer. Okay, I'll drink one beer. How many know one multiplies? 
one to two, two to four, six to eight, and then I got in a fight. Amen. That was, and and and, and I got right. I multiplied, and uh, in in the process, here I am. I had just got saved. I actually got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. Both me and my wife, we just started coming to church. I got delivered. I got saved. I got set free. God redeemed me. He beginning to restore my life, and I went back and did something very stupid. And I got jumped by about nine guys, amen, with baseball bats and sticks and all these other things. And, and they broke my leg, my left leg, right below the knee. They shattered my knee. And I passed out from the pain, maybe because I was drinking too. And I woke up with my face on the curb and my body in the street. And I looked down and I saw an ambulance picking up my other friends that, that were with me. And uh, I went to the hospital. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I was humiliated, amen, by what had happened. And, and I didn't want to go home. I didn't go home for two days. I didn't go to church. I was ashamed again. Here I am. I got redeemed. I got, I got uh, God saved me. God uh, filled me with his Holy Spirit, his precious Holy Spirit. And I went out and did something stupid. And the point of this story is I'm going to show you the love of God, amen. Even though we feel like giving up, God don't give up. And eventually I, I, I went and I got a cast on my leg and they told me nine weeks in a cast, nine weeks in a brace and therapy to learn to walk again. And I went home embarrassed and I told my wife what I did. I was so, honestly, God, I'd never been so embarrassed because now I had gotten saved and now I felt really bad about when you're not saved, you don't feel bad about what you're doing. But, but I had a taste. I tasted the goodness of God. So I came back, went back to church. I asked God to forgive me. Not a single person in that church asked me a question, where you been, what'd you do? You idiot, why'd you do that? Nobody did that in this church. Amen. They just loved me. They knew I had issues, and they prayed for me. Three weeks later, I went to a revival. And you want to hear the ironic thing? This revival that I went to was in Denver on a street called Colfax. That's about two miles from where my church is right now. And I went to a revival that was in a tent in a parking lot. It was in a park. Mario, were you there? It was in a parking lot, right? And this guy was praying, this white dude with a, with a red afro. His name was Harry Hills. And he was a wild man when he preached, amen? He would, ah, he prayed miracles, signs, wonders. And I remember sitting way, way in the back, and I said to, I said to Sharice, I want to be healed. I want to be healed. But I felt like I, that God wouldn't heal me. I felt ashamed. I still had the guilt of my past. Then I had the guilt of what I had just done to God. Come on, I'm trying to be real with you. This is how people feel. And I sat way back in the back row. And during the offering, when the baskets were going by, me and my wife were now living with her mother and father-in-law. I was living with his, her mom and dad. And, and that's very difficult for a man. And uh, I didn't have a job now because I, I couldn't work. My leg was busted. I had no money. I'd just been discharged from the military. And so I, I'm, I got about 70 cents in my hand. The offering basket comes by. I put it all in. As soon as I released that money into that basket, I felt, and I didn't know what it was till later, but it felt like electricity come through my body. And it ended up where my knee was broke, like little ants eating it. And I was like, whoa, what is happening? And they're all singing. I know it was the blood during the offering, right? And I'm like, oh, what's happening to me? And the preacher said, stop, stop. Somebody's getting healed, and you need to stand up and testify. And I went, <laughs> People started coming up on the, on the sides. Oh, you know, a lot of people trusted maybe it was them. 
And he goes, it's not you. People that were in wheelchairs, people that were on crutches, people that were just believing God, maybe it was them. It's not you. It's not you. It's not. You're out there. And, and there's a lot of people there. I, to this day, I can't remember how many because it was so long ago. But I, but I know that my wife looked at me and, see, your woman knows you better than anybody. <laughs> she looked at me, and I was. she saw me trying to break the cast with my foot. I was going, it's you. Amen. She said, get down there. So I left my crutches, and I go limping down like this, down the middle aisle, and he goes, it's you, right? This is what he said to me. He said, I want you to go to the doctor, get an x-ray, come back tomorrow night, and tell everybody here what God's done for you. I, I went out the tent into the parking lot. Pastor Paul followed me. He wasn't a pastor back then, and a whole bunch of other people because they knew something was up with this crazy new person. And I said, I said, hey, listen, y'all got something in your trunks or something? Let's take this off. If I'm healed, let's see. Amen? Who does that? Me. And so they opened up their trunks. I got a hack knife, a, a buck knife, and a hammer. We had a hammer. And some people worked at the bottom. I worked at the top. Nobody in the tent knows what's going on. Amen? Because everybody's still, he's preaching now. And so I finally get the cast off, and I was going, oh. I grabbed the cast, and I ran back to the tent. And the ushers wouldn't let me in. They wouldn't let me in. They were stopping me. So I took the cast and was swinging it at them like this. And they finally got out of the way. And I ran, I ran down the, the pulpit area where he was preaching and go, check it out. And I remember when, when, I, was, when I was leaving, when we were leaving, I heard Pastor Jones go, who is that? <laughs> He found out. <laughs> Amen. You know what happened to me? See, that when the devil gets a good customer like you guys, good customers, he doesn't want to let you go easily. And when I, about a couple days later, I was excited. I'm going to go get a job. All I had was a 10-speed. I got on a 10-speed the first day. I rode around for like eight miles looking for work. Uh, I had just been healed. God showed me that he loved me despite of my mistakes, despite of my failure. And I got home and I went to bed. I, it was, I think it was, it was a Monday morning. We had gone to church that Sunday morning and Sunday night. That Monday morning, you know, I, I woke up and I remember it like it was yesterday because I stretched and I just was grateful that I'm saved, that I'm, I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. God healed me. I'm still freaking out that he healed me. I'm thinking about it. And then the phone rings before cell phones, you guys. And it was my mother, and she was weeping and crying on the other line. And she tells me, get the paper and, and go back to the back page in Crime Stoppers. I said, what? So I went upstairs. I got the paper. I opened it up. And there's my picture in Crime Stoppers. And while I'm looking at the picture, across the entire city of Colorado Springs on television. Amen. They're mentioning my name. Amen. It was on the radio, it was on television, and it was in the newspaper. You talk about shame. You know, it's like a roller coaster ride, you know. You, you go up, you're ready to go, then boom, you're back down. Up, you're ready to go, and boom, you're back down. Before I could get dressed, those detectives, they planned that. They knew where I lived because they had talked to me before. Remember the charges I was facing, 8 to 16? They were coming to collect. And they came, man, and they arrested me. Uh, Sharice didn't know what was going on. Their parents didn't know what was going on because I didn't tell anybody about the, that, the, the, the confrontation I had with the cops. 
They took me to jail. I, I went, listen to this. I went into a courtroom in a yellow jumpsuit with my ankles shackled together and my hands shackled together with a leather strap around my waist like this. And I shuffled into that courtroom and I had to stand up in front of a podium with a courtroom full of people I don't even know. You got to understand, I had just got saved. I just got filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I made a mistake. I got healed. It was like a up and down, up and down. And now I'm standing there, and I could feel the back of my head, man, that turning red because they're, they're, they're telling the charges in front of everybody, all these people. And you're facing 8 to 16 years in prison. They sent me back to my four-man cell. Nobody was in there. And this is the second time I cried, amen, in my life. Hallelujah. I waited till nobody was looking, and then I went over the steel toilet, and I started praying. I said, God, I don't understand. I don't understand. I got a brand new wife. I got a brand new baby. I'm going to prison probably for more than 20 years because of the other charges. I just couldn't wrap my mind around what was happening. That's the reason why I wanted to get rid of these charges, man. You know, that was the whole reason I wanted to get rid of them, amen. I wanted to get, get them out, forget it. I don't want to ever think about it again. Eight days later, I got bonded out of jail. I, I went back to church, and I served God with my whole heart, and it wasn't jailhouse religion. We were really saved. We were really going for God. We really went after the Lord. I went to court for about eight months. I got a lawyer. We were going in and out, in and out. Went from 8 to 16 to 4 to 8 to 2 to 4, and I plea bargained for two years. And they said, if you'll do two years, we won't go to court, and you won't be facing all this time. And I looked, I told, I, my wife and I, we talked about it, and she, I said, let's do it. So she wouldn't go with me to sentencing because just all that had happened was just too traumatic for her. So you know what I did? I grabbed some, I grabbed some sisters at church. Tongue-talking, crazy single women that they're always praying in the prayer room. I'm not kidding. I grabbed a bunch of them. I said, y'all want to go to court with me? <laughs> and I took one of the pastors. His name was uh, Graham Davis. I took him and a bunch of these ladies. Amen. I can't remember the name of the, some of those ladies. But anyways, they sat in the back speaking in tongues. They're back there speaking in tongues in court. Amen. And this is what happened, right? They, I, I, I was sitting there. The judge says, stand to your feet. He says, Richard Marshall, I sentence you to two years in a Colorado State Correctional Institution. And I, I went, <sighs> and then he said, suspended. And then I said, what? I did. I said, what? Like, say that again. I know I can't hear, but I didn't hear that. And this is what he said. He said, I don't even know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to give you another chance. I know why he was doing it. We went on for God like everybody else until a couple months ago I was praying and thinking about, you know, as I get older, I'm going to turn 64 next week, amen, next, next Wednesday, amen, and, and, and uh, I was thinking, you know, I, I clean carpets right now, but I ain't clean carpets for the rest of my life. What happens if I get older and I want to get a job as a Walmart greeter, <laughs> right? Dionza, right? <laughs> I can't pass a background check. I can't even pass the background check to drive an Uber. 
I can't pass a background check to do anything. And I was praying, and I was crying out to God, and I said, God, it's at the cross. It's forgiven. You've washed me. you cleansed me. I've been redeemed. You said your people will not be put to shame. And I heard the Holy Ghost tell me. I heard him tell me. I heard him tell me that it's a done deal, that he's going to do it. And I ran downstairs. I ran downstairs to Sharice. She was praying, and I was weeping. I said, I said, God just spoke to me. And he don't talk to me all the time. I don't have tea with God. But he spoke to me, amen, and he told me he was going to do it. I was still pretty, <laughs> pretty apprehensive about it. But when I went down there and I filed this motion, and then uh, it was yesterday. I got this in the mail. I had already planned on preaching on the God who redeems and restores, right? And I said, wouldn't it be nice to be able to bring this with me? The people of, Col the, people of the state of Colorado versus Defendant Richard Marshall. The motion proposed order attached hereto so ordered. The court has reviewed the attached motion. If the people object, District Attorney... They shall file any such objection within seven days of this order. If no objection is received by today, the court will deem the motion confessed and it will be granted. Well, baby, it's granted. Amen. Hallelujah. Just because I'm on a roll, I'm also going to get rid of them other two charges. Amen. I told Sharice, I got one charge. It was just one court case. I had... Uh, uh, I didn't know you could get in trouble for threatening people, you know, like talking to them and threat. So I, I got f f harassment, assault, destruction of property, and concealed weapon all in one. Amen. So I'm going to get rid of that one next. That one's not as bad as the others. Amen. And then the last one's just an assault charge. You, let me just tell you something. If I show you, if I show you, I, Mario's seen it. I got this, I got this board. I call it my wall of shame. And it's all the court case, not all the court cases, because I couldn't get them all. And I put them up on a board, and I put them in my office, my pastor's, my pastoral office. When people come in for counseling, and they tell me, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through, I slap them up on the wall. Amen? But if you look at them all, you know what they say? Assault, 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 assault. You know why? Because short people got an attitude, amen? <laughs> How many of y'all know all the dictators are short? Right? Short people, got they want to beat everybody up. But I'm glad I'm saved now. Hallelujah. You know what I'm here to tell you? There is a scripture. It's found in Psalms chapter 50, verse 15. I don't know what you're going through this evening. As I said earlier, there's a lot of people who come to church, and we really don't know a lot about them because they don't really share all their. I'm pretty. I'm. I'm kind of like an open book. I've always been a, an open book. It's been the bane of my wife's our marriage because I'm always. I just tell everybody everything. I don't hide nothing. Oh yeah, I did that. Amen. And she's like, Why did you tell them that? <laughs> but here's what the Bible says. He said, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Can I ask you a question? Do you think God loves me more than you? He doesn't. He loves you. And in Isaiah 61, 7, he makes this promise to every believer. He says this, instead of shame, you shall have double honor. 
You see, the, it's the devil's business to shame us, whether it's with what it, what's going on in our lives now or what's happened in the past. It's his job to, to, to shame us, to keep us from doing what we're supposed to do to fulfill whatever destiny that God has in our lives. You'll never fulfill the destiny that God has for your life if you're always feeling guilty, if you're always feeling shamed, if you're always feeling like you just don't measure up because you did this or they said that about you or you, you committed this crime, whatever it might be. And I'm here to tell you, man, God said instead of shame, you shall have double honor. If you're saved in this place and you've given your life to Jesus, you are a son and daughter of God. You're a child of God. You know, I didn't, I didn't have to go do this. I didn't have to go do that. I'm still going to heaven. Amen. I'm still going to heaven. And, and the DA, who that devil, amen, I don't know if he is, but I know that I'm going to heaven. But you know what? I wanted to do that. God gave me the desire of my heart. You know, the Bible says God wants to give you the desires of your heart. If it lines up with his will, he wants to give you the desires of your heart. If that marriage is in trouble, God wants to heal that marriage. I don't care what the counselor said. I don't care what your parents said or people said. I'm here to tell you there's no marriage that's too far gone that God can't heal. Are you with me? You know, there are people that are in here right now. You're sick in your body. And I've met so many Christians over the years praying for the sick that think that it's God that made them sick or God's punishing them because they, you know, because of their past or whatever they've done. And so I'm sick. And I've heard Christians, I've saw them on TV talk about, you know, they'll, say, they'll use the scripture of the Apostle Paul. You know, he prayed five times that God would take it from him and he stayed sick. That scripture had absolutely nothing to do with sickness. If you go back and read it in context, it talks about his trials and tribulations, his stonings and all the things that happened to him. He was always getting beat up. Amen. I'm here to tell you it's not God's will that you're sick. It's not God's will that you're sick. You hear what I'm saying to you? The Bible says he says that by his stripes you're healed. Amen. I want to tell you, if you're here and you're sick in your body or you're in pain, tonight God's going to heal you. If you're struggling in your mind, if you're struggling in your mind with depression and suicidal thoughts, God wants to lift that off of you. Amen. Bible calls it, give you something called joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Give you, give you something, indescribable joy. Serving God is indescribable. We have problems, we have, we have things that happen to us, but listen, God's a God of joy, pure joy. Hallelujah. And lastly, listen, there's a scripture in Psalms 147 and 3, it goes like this. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. You know, I was born in, on June 7th, 1959, but that's not really when my life began. My life began in, in, in August of 1985, when I found the Lord and I came to the cross and all my sins were laid out in front of him, all the guilt, all the suffering, all the pain, all the heartache, all the things that I had done were laid at the foot of the cross. That's when my life began. And that's when your life can begin. If you don't know the Lord here tonight, you know you can know him in a personal way. I, I'm, I'm talking about in a personal way. When I was a kid, I went to Catholic church. I went to catechism. I learned the Lord's prayer. I didn't get nothing out of it. So I went to a Mormon church. I didn't get nothing out of it. I went to a Jehovah Witness church. I didn't get nothing out of it. Um, I mean, I tried all kinds of crazy different things. Nothing ever did anything for me until I walked into a spirit-filled 
Pentecostal church that believes in signs, wonders, miracles, and the restoration. Uh, amen. And I tell you what, I have never been the same. You know, all over this place, all over this place right now, I wonder how many people here, you just don't know the Lord. You've never been saved. You've never made a commitment to Christ like that. You may, you know, you, you know of God, but you don't know him. You can know him right now. Maybe you're in this place and you're backslid. Oh, I know what that's like. It's a miserable place. The most miserable people on the planet are backslidden people because they're not accepted in the world because they were Christians and they're not accepted in the church because they're backslid. And they know the truth, but they can't do anything about it. It's a miserable existence. And I'm here to tell you, the Holy Spirit says, come home. Come home, man. You don't belong out in the world. You don't belong back where you used to be. You're not that same person. Amen. God's got a plan for your life. He says in Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then later on he says, And you'll call upon me and I'll answer you. God's got a plan for you teenagers. He's got a plan for you people. Maybe you're a visitor. God's got a plan for you. But the first step for that plan is going to happen right here at this altar. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me all over this place. Every head bowed, every eye closed in reverence to God. Just for a minute if you would. You know, nobody knows you better than you and God. And, I, you know, I can't come up to you and tell you whether you're right with the Lord or not. That's between you and the Lord. You know if your lifestyle doesn't line up with God's word. Did you know you can fool your pastor? You can fool your husband, you can fool your wife, your friends, you can fool other people, but you know you can't fool God and the Holy Spirit. And right now, tonight, if you're in this place and you need to get your heart right with God, this is the first step we're going to take tonight. With nobody looking around, no one looking around all over this, this great assembly, if that's you with no one looking, just quickly hold your hand up, wave it at me and say, that's me, Pastor, remember me in prayer. God bless you, God bless you. How many others? Amen. I see that hand. How many more? Praise God for you. I see those two. God bless you, kids. Amen. How many others? Come on. How many people? You're backslidden. You need to get right. Come on. Don't, don't hold off. Amen. Who else? Here's what we're going to do before we do anything else. I want every, every one of you that raised your hands, I, I, I want you to stand to your feet right now. All of you. If you're serious about God, stand to your feet right now. Come on. Now I want you to take a second step. Come down here. Come down, let me talk to you. Come on. <clears throat> oh, man. This is our future. These kids, man. Hallelujah. This is our future right here. I wish that somebody like me came into my life right now at your age. I would have been safe from a lot of heartache and pain. Amen. You guys are good. Listen, you're in a great church. Amen. God's going to use your life. He's going to use your life, little man. Amen. Hallelujah. You struggle in school? So-so. Peer, peer pressure? Peer pressure? After tonight, after tonight, I'm going to challenge all you little guys. Take some gospel tracks, and when you go to school, you tell everybody about Jesus. Amen. Well, my little boy... My son was little. He went to elementary school. And one day he came home and he said, Dad, I started a gang. I said, what? He said, a Christian gang. And he got all these other young kids in fourth grade, all these kids.
He got all these kids together, man, and they would get together with gospel tracks and pray and then go throughout the playground passing out tracks, <clears throat> telling people about Jesus. We're going to pray. Y'all going to help me pray? Come on, let's pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for shedding your precious blood for me. I come to you, a sinner in need of a Savior. Please forgive me of all my sins. Deliver me from every bondage, every habit, the guilt of my past. And right now, I accept your word that says, if the Son, therefore, shall make me free, I'll be free indeed. From this moment forward, I belong to Jesus. I'm saved. I belong to Christ. I'm going to serve God for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on. Hallelujah. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.